Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchais Trumais, the laws of the gift or heave offerings, the 2% given to the Kohen. I want to first make a very brief introduction to the Rambam we're studying, and that is that Truma has many unique qualities about it and unique laws which pertain to Truma. First of all, Truma is holy, and therefore because it's holy, you can't waste it, you can't disrespect it, you can't misuse it, you can't throw it away, it is sacred. On the other hand, it can only be used by a Kohen. It could not be used by a non-Kohen. So therefore, there are many challenges. What you can do with Truma, what you cannot do with Truma. Then there is what we call impure or defiled Truma. What do we do with that? We learned earlier. That's called, for example, Shemen Srefa. That's called olive oil, which can only be used for one thing, for fuel. Because the impure truma could be used for fuel. So we're very much into what can be done with truma and what cannot be done with truma. And it can't be wasted and it has to be respected and so on. Aleph, ha truma, the usages of truma, nitna, are dedicated, la achila, we can eat truma. Who's we? A kohen. A kohen and those connected to the kohen can eat truma. He can drink truma, and he can anoint himself with truma oil, for example. Oil is used for anointing. Smearing on oneself. And that's interesting, because anointing, smearing, is not eating and it's not drinking. Yet it's an acceptable usage of truma. Because halachically, Smearing and anointing oil is like drinking it. Shenemar, as it says, there's actually a verse which he refers to in Tehillim. And it entered within him like water, and like oil, into his bones, so that when we smear our skin with oil, it enters into our bones, it becomes internalized. How do we know drinking is acceptable? Because drinking is in the category of eating. You can eat something that you usually eat. And drink something that you usually drink. So it's acceptable to eat that which is eaten and to drink that which is drunk. And to smear and anoint oneself with something that's used for that. Therefore... One should not smear oneself with wine and vinegar, because wine and vinegar are not used for smearing. But he could use pure oil. He could use pure oil for anointing and smearing. And he uses the impure oil for kindling, for fuel. And this kindling oil, fuel oil, is referred to in halacha as shemen srefa, fuel oil, burning oil, so when we talk about shemen srefa, oil for burning, we're talking about olive oil, which became impure, 
and the Kohen uses his truma, olive oil for fuel. Now he goes on to say in base, Tmorim shall truma, dates which are truma, muta lechapsen lechapsen kigal advele, it's okay to collect them as a cake of dried dates, and that's not considered disrespecting them. However, it's forbidden to make beer. You can make beer from dates. Beer is going down a step. It's not honorable for truma to be made into beer. Because I guess you use the uh, lower level dates for beer. So also we should not make date honey from dates of truma. We should not make apple wine from apples of truma. Nor fall produce into vinegar, because again, these are all products that are made from lesser quality of these species. In general, all produce, we don't change them from their natural state if they are truma. Chutz, the exception, of course, is Mizesim Ba'anobim Bilbad. When it comes to olives and grapes, because their natural state is to produce olive oil and wine. What if he transgressed and juiced these foods? He may drink it. And an Israelite who ate honey of dates, the Ayin Tabuchim and Wine of apples, inadvertently, is not obligated to pay because it's really not that level of truma. And if he ate intentionally, then he's given the rabbinic form of lashes. Again, keeping the proper level of truma food. We may not place dried dates and dried figs, which are truma, into brine to improve the brine because it ruins the fruits. But you can't put a little wine in the brine because it improves it. We don't place fragrant herbs, pitum, fragrant herbs into oil because you transform it from food, and you make it into anointing oil. But you can mix wine, honey, pepper, and so on, in order to partake of them. We should not cook wine of truma, because cooking something reduces its volume. We should not place onions in vinegar of truma, because the onions ruin the vinegar. We don't mix grain with beans, legumes. We can mix any two substances which are distinct from each other, when they're sorted through a sieve or a strainer. And from the time that Judea was destroyed, they began to mix one grain with the other, one lagoon with the other, but they still did not mix grain with beans, legumes, 
And he points out here that this is during the Roman conquest. There was a sparsity of grain, and the people didn't care to differentiate one species from the other. They could not afford to be that particular because the economy was so challenging. Hey, kederach shemerach dimesakemach b'cholun. Just as one would sift flour in everyday grain, you sift through the flour to refine it and make a finer grade of flour. could do the same with this truma. He can sift what he wants to, to eat, and then he can throw away the other stuff, which he calls bran here. Or he can make bran, bran flakes from the bran. What if he wants to make fine, fine flour, and he wants to sift the flour again and again and again, until he'll end up with one or two kabim from a saw. There are six kabim in a saw. So he's going to end up with a third or a sixth of the volume. However, he should not throw away the rest. Because it could be eaten. You should put it away in a safe place. You should not use it to seal an oven or arrange, because it's a level down from the usage of oil, which can be used to eat. Or, or, or to anoint. One should not smear the oil on a shoe or a sandal to make the leather good. Neither should he smear the oil on his foot while it's in his shoe or sandal because his intent might be because he's going to get a lot of oil on the sandal and, 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 and waste it. He can anoint or smear the oil on his foot. He can then put on the shoe or the sandal. And the oil from his foot will go on the shoe or the sandal and improve that too. No problem. Again, what are we concerned with? We're concerned with degrading the truma. Truma should not be used for shoes. The sach called gufa, in fact, he can smear and anoint his entire body with oil. And then he can roll around on a new leather mat. And that way he's going to smear the new leather mat. The new leather mat and make it ready for usage. It's like sealing it. So he can put the oil on his body and then roll around in circles. We're talking about the Kohen with the Truma oil. Even though they're going to be, the, the, the leather is going to become anointed. We're not going to worry about it. Because it's indirect. But a person should not place oil on a marble tablet to roll on it. Because he's going to ruin a lot of oil. And we're not allowed to ruin truma oil. Anybody who eats truma, even fruits of truma, we need nitilat yadayim, nitilas yadayim, the washing of the hands, because the kohen is sacred, the food is sacred. A kohen cannot sit down and have truma without nitilas yadayim, without washing of the hands. Even though his hands were already pure, as we're going to learn in the appropriate place, in the laws of purity and impurity. 
Truma food should not be consumed by a Kohen at the same table with an Israelite. Why? Because we're concerned that the Israelite is going to reach over and grab a piece. That's a terrible transgression. Because Israelites may not eat Truma, we learned. Now, we learned that there is a rabbinic commandment to set aside Truma in the diaspora, but that's a much lower level of Truma. It's only a rabbinic commandment. So, Truma in the diaspora, can be eaten with an Israelite who eats his own food on the same table. And doesn't need the washing of the hands. Like the regular mundane food. Another law here is we do not smear truma or anoint truma oil with soiled hands. Why? Because we don't want to ruin the oil and get the dirt of the hands. We're not talking about impurity, we're talking about dirt. To get the dirt of the hands on the oil, ruining the oil. What if the oil falls on his flesh? He can rub together his dirty hands. We may anoint and smear oil on a child within the first seven days of his life. What's the problem? Why should we not be able to put oil on a child, on a little boy, the first seven days of his life? The answer is because he's uncircumcised. And we learned earlier that uncircumcised people should not benefit from truma. This is not a problem because because a newborn is not considered uncircumcised for the first seven days because the obligation of circumcision does not kick in until the eighth day. The Kohen could smear truma oil on himself. That's for sure. Or maybe Ben Bita Yisrael. Then he could bring his grandson who is his daughter's son, who is an Israelite, and roll him on his back, and his Israelite grandson can also get some of the oil. Or another scenario, the Kohen smeared, anointed himself with oil, entered into the bathhouse, it's okay for a non-Kohen to apply this oil upon him in the bathhouse, even though his hands, and he'll also, the, the non-Kohen will also enjoy the application of the oil. I'm going to have a sip of tea. I made a bracha earlier. Kehenes, a Kohen woman. Who washed herself with tilsa, which is chilba of truma. The Israelite may not apply this chilba after her. But she can rub her hair against the coins here. Why are coins permitted to do that? That seems to be a downgrade of the application of truma. Because this chilba stuff is not really fit for human consumption. It's a pugnant herb, as he says. You'd Stems of figs, dried figs, wild figs, carobs, and the insides of melons, the esrigomalafapon, esregim, and cucumbers, this whole list, even though there's no food left in them. 
or the peels of vegetables that homeowners discard. But there is a little food. An Israelite is forbidden to pick it up and scrape off the last bit of food because it's truma. Even though it was thrown away. However, the peels of vegetables cut off by gardeners, they are permitted. The casings of beans and sesame streets, if they contain food, they're forbidden. If they do not contain food, they are permitted. And he says here that the reason that the law of gardeners is different because they cut off only those leaves that are not fit at all to be eaten, a homeowner, on the other hand, will discard even those that are slightly undesirable. So that's the difference as to why the homeowner's junk is forbidden and the gardener's cutoffs are permitted. 11. The seeds of Esrogam are permitted, to be, are permitted to be eaten because they are bitter and not fit to be eaten. The seeds of olives, dates, and carrots, by contrast, and even though the Kohen did not gather them together, they are forbidden for non Kohenim or Sharaganim or other seeds. When they were gathered together and there's moisture where you can suck out the moisture from the seeds, an Israelite is forbidden to do that. But if he threw it away, the Kohen threw it away, then it is permitted. From new wheat, also it is forbidden. They should oil because it is fit for people. But old brand, mutter brand from old wheat is permissible. What's considered old and what's considered new? But Masai Nikru Chadoshes Kosman Shebnei Adam Regilim Lachbid Bein Hagoronas. The entire time that people are accustomed to beat the grain at the granaries, that's the season of new. Lower quality of grain and slightly rotten grain, you know, it's like at the expiration date. <laughs> Which are forbidden. Even though they're lower quality, even though they begin to be in a, in a state of rotting, they're still forbidden because they're still fit to be eating. They're like borderline. But if they already produce dust, Mutaris, then there's so much not food that they're already permitted. What if there were dregs of wine, wine dregs or grape dregs, where you take water and you put it on the dregs, and that's how you make uh, a lower quality wine from water and wine dregs. Harishan, Vasheni, the first time you do that, and it produces the first dreg wine. The second time you do it, you drink it out and you do it again. Also, it's still forbidden for a non-Kohen. But the third time you do it already, it's already uh, barely wine. Mutter, it's permissible for the Israelite. If you didn't place water, but he just keeps straining it and pressing it. Even the third time around, it's forbidden for the Israelite. When somebody cleared the kernels of wheat from a grain heap, he took away all the kernels of wheat from the grain heap. No more heap. Should we be concerned that there's a couple of kernels going to be left from Truma? No, don't be concerned. 
you sweep it normally, and then you can place a non-truma grain heap there. Don't worry about the kernel or two or three that's going to be here, there, and everywhere. So also a barrel of truma oil which spilled, and you have to clean it up. It's holy, it's truma. He doesn't have to sit there and sponge it dry, but he can conduct himself with it like a person conducts with himself with everyday oil. If somebody pours out oil, which is truma from a barrel, that is a martyr, he keeps pouring out until the flow stops, and the oil begins to drip, drip. Once it drips, three drips. Consecutively, it's enough. That's like enough. It is permissible to place regular oil then, mundane, everyday oil in this pitcher. If he did not, but he leaned the barrel on the side until the remnants of the oil collected together. Then that, that collection, which will come about in time, that's forbidden, because that is truma. Speaking of daya and daya and dayenu, one of my granddaughters came back from school and said, we learned a new song in school. It goes, die, 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 die. And then we say, yenu. So that's the new song. Okay. 16, I'm just trying to wake everybody up. Cohen can fill up a candlestick of oil, truma oil, to be burned. We said that usually what that is is impure oil, which the Cohen could use for fuel. And he can give it to the Israelite who needs a candle, a flashlight, to go up to the attic, and to go into the room up in the attic, to do something for the Kohen. So the Israelite is servicing the Kohen. Why should not the Kohen give him his candle? But the Israelite cannot say to the Kohen, do me a favor, lend me your candle. I need to go up to the attic for my purposes. But if they were partners, it's okay. In other words, they were doing it for both their benefit. A Jew was visiting a Kohen, and the Kohen kindled Shemen Sreifa, Truma oil, and then the Kohen left. Should the Israelites say, Uh oh, I'm getting light from Truma? No, it's okay. It can burn. No problem. He didn't light it, it's just sitting there. The table, and the Jew could also dip a thread into the candle of the coin and kindle it in order to have a light to walk with. If livestock, an animal belonging to a coin was standing next to an animal of an Israelite, and a garment of a coin was being woven next to garments of the Israelite, then the weavers or the people who care for the animals could use Shemen Sreifa, Truma oil, for both of them, because they're both there, the garment of the Israelite and the Kohen, the animal of the Israelite and the Kohen. So also we can light this 
shemen shreifa, this truma oil, and create lights in synagogues, in houses of Torah study, in dark alleyways, even without the permission of the Kohen, because it benefits the public, and it takes danger away from the public. If somebody does not have every day mundane oil to kindle his Hanukkah candles, and he sees there is some truma oil sitting there, Shem and for oil that is made to be burned, which means the oil was impure. And the Kohen set it aside for pure. He can actually do it without the express permission of the Kohen. We can place, the word here I think is chaylin, place this Shem and for this oil, uh, on, uh, over sick people to do with the permission of the Kohen, because the person, even though only one person, is not well. There's a daughter of an Israelite married to a Kohen, and she hangs out in her father's house who's not a Kohen, Maglik Bishusa. He, the father, can kindle the Shem and Sreifa candle with her blessing, because she's allowed to. The Kohen can light his truma oil even in the house of a mourner or the house of a party where there's a mixture of kohenim and non-kohenim. We're not concerned that the non-kohen is going to make serious use of it. Why? Why are we not concerned that there's going to be an oil source and someone's going to walk over and put some oil on his salad? Which would be terrible because it's truma. Why are we not concerned that it's in the shiva house and someone's going to walk over and put some oil on his falafel? Because at a party, people are so dressed up in tuxedos and gowns, they're not going to chance dirtying themselves with oil. In a mourner's house, because there's no time in a mourner's house, people are busy mourning. Segwaying into the next category of laws. You have truma seed. Truma seed from produce. What if you plant truma seed? Now, a little bit of an introduction is warranted here. We've talked many times, and I'll say it again. The economy states that truma food is cheaper than non-truma food. Why is it cheaper? Because price is set by, in a free economy by supply and demand. There's a much smaller demand for truma than there is for non-truma because only a Kohen may eat it. And that's one of the advantages that a Kohen has, that if you have to pay $3 for a pound of truma something, you can pay, I'm sorry, if you have to pay $3 for a pound of regular something, you can get for $2 truma something. So therefore, it never makes sense to plant truma seeds. Why do you need your field to grow truma and your price will fall? You'd rather have your field produce non-truma and you'll get a better price. That's the introduction to 20. If somebody plants truma, if he did it inadvertently, remember, you also can't destroy the truma. So here we're stuck. He says, it's okay. You can turn it over and you'll be kind of killing it. But be amazing if he planted it intentionally and then he realized what he did. Yekayim, he should stain it. 
What if it grew to one-third of its maturity, whether intentionally or unintentionally, he has to sustain it. However, if he planted flax, what do we do with flax? Flax produces material, linen, which you wear. I feel amazed even if it grew a third, even if he planted intentionally, he should better turn it over because we're concerned that someone is going to take that flax later and wear it and not realizing that it's truma and it's sacred. There's a penalty so a person should not plant with the intention of benefiting from the fibers because he'll never even believe that these fibers have the sanctity of truma. That which grows from truma, practically speaking, other than the fact that it's forbidden to an Israelite, all other applications of law, we treat it as everyday food, except that it's forbidden to Israelites. But other than that, it has no other laws of truma. In fact, it is our sages that decreed that it should be forbidden to the non-Kohen like Truma, Mishum Truma, and why? Because ideally, that which grows from Truma perhaps should not be forbidden. Because the Truma Tmeya, the impure Truma, that's in the hand of a Kayin, because if you say that you can plant Truma, and it grows up to be non-truma, then the Kohen would take seeds that became impure, plant them, and they would become okay. And he would run into a problem because it's impure. Therefore, all of the other rules do not apply. You're allowed to eat that which grows from truma with impure hands. And it's permissible for somebody who immerses in a mikvah that day to eat it like everyday food. That's something that grows from truma. What about gidule? Gidule is something that grows from something that grows from truma. Second degree. Chulun l'chol is 100% mundane. Even something that is not consumed 100%. If the main original one is more than that which grew from that which grew, then they uplift the main even though it doesn't disappear, and it all becomes permissible to the everyday non-Kohen. So also the same law applies to the diaspora truma, and truma that is mixed with ordinary produce, and truma, extra truma, and garden vegetable truma that's not eaten by themselves, like turnips and radishes, even though that radish or turnips is truma, that which grows from them, mutter is okay. They are everyday food. If somebody plants flax of truma, that which grows is permitted to a non-kohen. Somebody plants impure truma, even though that which grows from it is pure, you know, may not eat it. How about truma and being that when it was planted, it was forbidden, then it's cast off and it remains forbidden. Somebody cuts off the leaves that grew, and then a second group 
came forth and he cut them, anything that comes after that, mutabachil is permissible to eat. When plants of ordinary produce became impure, and afterwards they were planted, and he designated them as trumarelamutarim, they're permissible. Because they were purified by this planting process. They were not, they did not become impure so that they would be forbidden later. What if a stalk of grain was in the midst of a grain heap? And he straightened out the whole heap. And we learned, out early, we learned earlier that the straightening process makes it complete. Then that stalk is still tebel, which means produce from which truma was not taken. Because it was straightened with the rest of the grain heap. So if he planted and he called it Officially, Vasal Truma made it Truma, it is a Suffolk Truma. Then we're not sure, Hal Bazra, because he planted it. Maybe Tebel, which means untrumad produce grew from it, and it is not yet ready. But if he made it Truma, before he planted it, it is a Truma, it's Truma. If he plucked from it and ate intentionally, Misa, he's culpable for death penalty. From Hashem, she pays the fifth. And if he took it, I'm sorry, if he took it, if he took it, if he bent over and ate it with his mouth from the ground, then he is like anyone else would have treated it, chained that up in the other because people don't usually do this. There is no death penalty, there is no fifth, if it was inadvertent, 27. A field of stuff growing from plantings of truma, is obligated, all the obligations of produce, even though you could argue and say, hey, this whole field is growing from truma. No, it is obligated. And the poor of Israel and the poor of Kohanim can take it. The Kohanim poor can eat what they can eat. And although we said it has to be treated as truma food, so the poor of Israel sell what they have, the Kohanim, to the Kohanim, but it's made truma at the truma price. And the poor belongs, the money belongs to the Israelites. So also the Levite can sell his tithing to the Kohen because these plantings are considered truma, yet the money could be enjoyed by the poor Israelites and Levim. A person who crushes such produce, it's even better. When a person threshes it with an animal, what should he do? Because the animal is not allowed to eat it. Animals, uh, just an animal, a plain animal is not allowed to eat truma unless it's the Kohen's domestic animal that he has to support. Yet you're also not allowed to torment an animal by not permitting him to eat when he threshes. So we have a conflict here. So, the best solution is you take a bucket, hang it around the animal's neck, place the same species in the bucket. So we have the best of, world, of both worlds. You're not muzzling the animal, and you're also not feeding the animal from the truma produce. End of chapter 11.